1: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Athletic Soccer Show. I am Jeff Ruder, and uh, even though deadline day is ongoing as we record this, Leeds United had the foresight to, to give us a, something that we can talk about ahead of time, a transfer that was worthy of truly diving in on two sides of the ocean to figure out and just parse through how much this makes sense for the club. And so I am joined here by Phil Hay, uh, our expert on Leeds United, and uh, we're talking Weston McKennie, yet another U.S. international. Who is heading over to join Jesse Marsh's Major Leeds Soccer Project? Phil,
2: how's everything on your side? I'm great, thank you. I'm great, thank you for having me on. And apologies to people for my accent. I haven't brought a translator with me. Um, <laughs> but if you if you're struggling, watch Train Spotting, and by the end of that, you'll think I've got the Queen's English.
1: I grew up watching Craig Ferguson's late night talk show, so actually, I will be able to, <laughs> to serve something fight. of a surrogate here. Fight, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so talk to me first about how this move came about. Uh, you know, I think that you and I have each written off of this move already over on The Athletic. Go ahead. And, and you can get both the backstory of how this came together, as well as some analysis of how he'll, he'll fit. We'll obviously be touching on topics from each article in this podcast. But how did this move uh, come together? It, it seemed a little bit of a surprise that Leeds would be looking for a midfielder who could actually yeah. not just be a depth piece, but truly compete for starting
2: minutes down the stretch. It's it's both indicative of the way Leeds act, but also, I think, um, indicative of a bit of a shift in their approach to transfers and also particularly the the January transfer window. The the line that has always come out of Leeds going back two or three, four years, really to the start of Andrea Radrazzani's time as chairman of the club, Mm. was that January was poor time for business, wasn't a time when they wanted to do much business. Ideally, when it came to recruitment, they would do what they felt they needed to do in the summer. And January would be a time where if there was an urgency or a desperation or, or, or I guess, a specific target that came up who they'd been mm. looking at for a while and wanted to do, then then they would. But, you know, the, the running joke in Leeds, and this actually goes back, you know, best part of a decade, was that it's, it's Transfer Deadline Day or, as we call it in Leeds, Tuesday, you know, because nothing, <laughs> else, nothing ever happened. Um, and this window has been, has been very different. But at the start of it, the priorities for Leeds were a left back or at least a left-sided defender somebody who could cover left back and and also a forward and they ticked those two boxes with uh, Max Verber from RB Salzburg um left-sided center back really but had been playing right. at left back for Salzburg Georginio Rutter um, from from Hoffenheim Rutter very much a, a number nine but can play out wide as a kind of wide forward as opposed to a winger you know um and that for Leeds was their two boxes ticked really but there was always this lingering possibility that they might do a central midfielder. And actually, we can come on to this, but if you look at the squad, it does make sense. Um, not only to, to sign a centre-mid, but to sign one with mckenney's calibre and pedigree, somebody who can make an immediate impact on the team. And they did look at Azadine Unahi, who's gone from Angers in France to Marseille. Um, and while, he's, while that move is costing Marseille around about 8 million euros, so I think somewhere in the region of of eight million dollars ten million dollars yeah. the price being quoted to leeds and napoli was much higher twice as much um, and leeds didn't think it was good value they they left it alone and then about two weeks ago mckenny got wind of the fact that that leeds had an eye on him um as it happened the director of football at leeds victor Otter, had first looked at him when he was at shalke um and had thought mm. about making a bid for him in 2020 but he'd gone to juventus and you know that that shelved it for the, the time being but it was really last week the start of last week where inquiry was made Receptive response from Juventus, um, which put in, in you know, put in motion the chain of events of negotiating what exactly the transfer was going to look like, you know, what the structure of it was going to look like. Um and key to it was the fact that McKinney was interested, you know, he was going from a Champions League club, but he was keen and he fancied it at Leeds. And, you know, from speaking to people and asking about the deal, there were quite clearly enough voices at Leeds. Um, for him to speak to and to be convinced by that, that it was a good move for him. Um, so last night it was confirmed um, loan deal with an option to sign him permanently and I think there's a very strong chance that that option will get activated. There are some uh,
1: pretty obvious connective tissues here between uh, Weston McKenney and then his new locker room, which he's jumping into. But I think just more broadly, we're, we're to a point now where uh, Jesse Marsh is not going to be seen as Bob Bradley 2.0 in terms of his impact on a Premier League club. Um, now that he's actually had the luxury of transfer windows, something Bob Bradley never had at Swansea. Have you seen a, a marked difference in how Marsh hopes the club operates in the transfer market or tries to work with the club compared to what Bielsa was doing? Have you have you started to get a sense of how? that dynamic with victor order has changed with jesse marsh
2: well without a doubt i think marsh is easier to recruit for than bielsa Mm. um without a doubt too though there has been more money spent um in in this period on marsh than there was on average um for bielsa it wasn't that they didn't sign bielsa and you have to remember that two of bielsa's seasons were in the championship where um you know transfer expenditure was going to be to be lower um You cannot discount the fact that last summer they sold Rafinha to Barcelona, Calvin Phillips to Manchester City for around about £90 million, so losing two of the best players in the squad in return for a huge amount of cash coming in. But they have committed all of that money to players. They did that last summer. In this window, if you factor in McKinney, McKinney's transfer fee would fall in the next window, you know, in the summer, if they activate it for for around about $35 million. But um, this window has effectively been, you know, in, in... UK pounds, seventy million pound investment. You know, it's a lot of money for a club like Leeds, and I think it it really puts them in a position now where, you know, they they've expected better results of Marsh anyway. The results have not been great this season. Leeds have really struggled to get going. I think it puts them in a position now where they can expect more again. You know, and I think they can adequately say, "Look, you have been supported in the transfer market. A lot of the signings who've come up." Who've come in i mean all of them obviously go through marsh in the end and, and are approved by him you know there are discussions about every single player um but as much as marsh will say from time to time you know these are not my signings they're the club signings it's very hard to look at tyler adams brendan aronson kenny you know christensen yeah. buber players who've come from salzburg that he's worked with before and not think that you know he's going back to players he knows or players who will fit into his system So without any question, he has been backed on that front. He's also been backed by the club in the sense that they've resisted the dissent around him and they've resisted pressure to to change, you know, pressure to to sack him. But as it stands now, I think the argument that they don't have the resources they need or they don't have a good enough squad to stay up or to be better placed in the league, I think that will will wear more and more thin um, if they can't get results. But on the flip side, Marsh has been talking recently about his sense that momentum is building despite the absence of results, that he thinks the performances are improving. He looks a lot of the data and the metrics and he thinks they're pointing in a lot of respects in the right direction. So I think he will be saying to himself that, you know, with McKinney on board, with um, Rutter up front, with with Vuber, who looks like a really confident defender, that there should be the, the potential now to turn the corner and to turn it quite quickly. You know, I think that there is also something to be said
1: about that that connection. We already touched on it with Jesse Marsh, obviously, the common nationality, that sort of experience that he has with Tyler Adams in the engine room of the United States Men's National Team. Um, there was that fantastic photo of Adams and McKenney, and there were children that Tyler Adams had tweeted out. Um, you know, well, that, just Adams, kind of
2: uh, Adams was at Ellen Road last night to welcome him. He surprised him. McKinney didn't right. know he was going to be there. And in the end, he did the interview, Adams, for the club's um, official TV station, LUTV. Um, and I was told that, you know, that there'd been, obviously, conversations between Adams and McKinney and that Adams had been pretty influential in... Because there'd been other clubs who have been interested in McKinney. And yeah. from what I'm told, he'd never really been attracted to the, the offers that had come in or the suggestions that had come in from, you know, non-Champions League or non-European um, competition clubs uh, mm. in this division. But Leeds seemed to be different. And... You know, there was obviously Marsh who who spoke to Adams as well. Um, I think, again, from from what I understand, there was a a good kind of explanation of of what the future was likely to look like under 49ers Enterprises, you know, the the investment arm of San Francisco 49ers who expect to buy the club and and to own it outright, um, or certainly in a majority sense, in the not-so-distant future. You know, what will the future look like? What is their vision? What do they plan to do? And... As a complete package, it certainly seemed to sell itself to McKinney, who was interesting when we chatted to him last night because, you know, he's going from a big club in Juventus and people will probably have seen that Juventus are in a lot of trouble at the moment. And for those who haven't followed it, they've had an investigation into financial irregularities. They've had a 15-point deduction in Serie A. They're in a a bad way. But they are still the powerhouse in in Italy and you would assume that they will recover and, and get back to that level. But, you know, McKinney was saying to us that he felt that Personality can kind of outgoing personality would be more accepted in the Premier League and also at Leeds. And he also said that tactically, there were times at, at Juventus where he felt like he was on a string, as he put it. You know, it was so disciplined and it was so um it was so strict in the way that, that they set up that they didn't like him doing his sixty yard runs and his as he put it, his kind of frantic, hectic um, you know, approach to, to football. He thinks this will be a really good fit for him. And I just got the sense from him last night that it wasn't as if he'd been in two minds about this. I think he really, really wanted to come. And I think that there's something interesting.
1: He left Schalke for Juventus just before they started their tailspin to get to the the second Bundesliga as well. So he doesn't necessarily have that experience, but he has seen a club that's probably been in a worse way than Leeds has. Um, Leeds, obviously, people in the club, outside the club, the fan base, what have you, really bought into the Bielsa revolution. Of course, um, there's now this like American revolution, no pun intended, that's really been um, you know gaining even more and more and more uh, merit to it and weight is there still that sort of confidence in the direction of that americanism because I, I there are a lot of clubs a lot of fan bases who they would see american ownership american manager more american players and say oh boy here we go marketing over results
2: yeah i i think i think you probably have to be careful in assuming that this is a deliberate strategy in terms of mm-hmm. americanization um, Marsh, for example, was not the the choice of 49ers Enterprises, even though it would be very easy to put that connection together. He was the choice of Victor Alter, who, director of football at Leeds, um, who was appointed originally by Radrazzani, the the current chairman, and had been in touch with Marsh for about two years before Bielsa was sacked and Marsh replaced him. And that that will sound strange, but the situation with Bielsa was that he worked on 12-month contracts year to year. So you were never quite certain if at the end of one particular season um, you were going to have to replace him there, and then if he decided not to extend, so Leeds, I guess, is a, a means of due diligence and 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 common sense, had to maintain some form of list of options of, of, of coaches that they could go to if they suddenly needed to find a, a replacement. And Marsh was the one who author singled out. Marsh was the one who, by analysing the data and the way that he played, particularly at Salzburg, that he decided that they he, he really really wanted. He thought the club should go for, and you know it's almost the same really with the the players who have come in i don't get the sense at all that the 49ers are pushing the idea that they should be going after aronson or they should be going after adams or they should be going after mckinney because they are us nationals and because for example they might be very good marketing tools in the run-up to the world cup in 2026 because it you know it helped without a doubt that's true you know and and it does help i think to market leads um on the other side of the water it does help to, to expand leads profile within America and to attract a bigger American audience. But I think when it comes to it, the key decision here is do they think they're good signings? Do they think they're they're good footballers? And I have to say, if you look at the league table, it's quite obvious that Leeds do not have the luxury at the moment of saying, let's sign players for commercial reasons or, you know, mm. reasons out with what's going on the pitch because they they you know, they need results, they need good players. McKinney I think is a really good signing for them and exactly what they should be doing.
3: FX is welcome to Wrexham, all new Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to com slash courtside to learn more.
3: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: We, we look in a separate article about how he could fit into a three-man midfield, and, and this is something that Jesse March has been uh, emphasizing far more on the back of the World Cup than he had before the break uh, started in November. Do you do you see this as a, a very natural uh, midfield trio, um, him joining Mark Roca and then Tyler Adams as well?
2: It feels like it could work, without a doubt. I mean, McKinney last night was talking about how box-to-box he likes to be. And Adams has a kind of box-to-box style, but I think in a slightly less dynamic way, if that makes sense. And I don't mean lower intensity, but I think what you'll get from McKinney is a bit more of an attacking thrust, um, whereas Adams is very, very good at sweeping up at marshalling the midfield, at pressing, counter-pressing, tackles, interceptions, all that stuff that that lays a, a platform to play off. Mark Rocker is, you know, he's the player you should look to 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 pull the strings. Progressive passing scores really highly. That's what he likes to do. You He likes to get on the ball and spray it about. You know, long-range passing, short-range passing. In a way, again, that somebody like Adams doesn't. So I think if they get the balance right and the positioning right, I think that could definitely work with a three. Um, So, you know, Marsh... As a rule, has been going four two three one. He can still do that with this. Um, whether that allows him to include all three, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. And I think he will want to. But on top of that, signing router, you know, added to a really really big crop of forwards means that he has the option of a front two, a front three. He can, you know, a front four in a, a four two three one. There is actually now a lot of tactical versatility um, on offer with these players, and I think people will look to him to use that. You know, he, he is. Rigid in the way he likes to play. He does have a very, very defined style, and there's been a huge debate, still is over here, about how well it's worked and whether it's likely to work um, going forward. But I don't think in any way you could say that they don't have the players to be okay now. You know, I, I think this squad should be performing fairly well. If you're just looking at an 11
1: and you have to drop an attacker here, uh, most frequent quartet, obviously, recently, certainly, has been Jack Harrison, Brendan Aronson, Rodrigo, and then uh, Willy Nyanto. Who's the odd one out who becomes the the first option off the bench um, if you're calling the shots here?
2: It becomes incredibly difficult because you've got Patrick Bamford coming back from injury. Right. Um, he's had a long, long stretch where he hasn't been properly fit, um, but he looked extremely good in the cup game at Accrington on Saturday. looked like he looked like actual Patrick Bamford, you know, like That's what you've been wanting to see for ages. And if he starts to score and play well, he puts a hell of a lot of pressure on players who are in the team. You know, it, 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 selection wise, that becomes tricky. Ruta is record signing, you know, around about thirty million pounds, thirty five million dollars. I would say, um, do you leave him out? How do you leave him out? What you know, right. what what you what do you do there? Um, you have Lewis Sinistera who came in from Firenod, looks very good, has looked very good on his day. I think again another player who's tough to leave out. Sinistera has been injured for a while too, and I think this is the point really that you know with um, Crescencio Somerville coming back, he was a young winger who came in from Firenod, but has scored important goals this season. Has definitely um, definitely got better again and put himself right in the picture. Um, I've done a piece for the, the Athletic on the way the squad's changed in the last eight months and and one of the and it has, you know, pretty drastically. Yeah, and one incredible. of the things I noted in it was the fact that in a 4-2-3-1, you could actually pick two different units of four up front. You have enough players where you could have a, a different three and a different one quite easily. Um, So that was the kind of tone of the piece I did after Accrington at the weekend was what is Marsh's front three or front four and actually what's yours? You know, if you're looking at it, who do you pick Um, and who... Yeah. What is the best? Um, what is the best blend? And working that out is going to be actually quite a challenge. But it's a good position to be in because, quite honestly, Leeds have gone through quite a while prior to this point where the the anxiety has been about a lack of number nines, a lack of attacking options, and and it's you know it's been a handicap for them. So at that end of the field, they're in a much better shape. Is, is there
1: an expectation? Obviously, the, the purchase option, um, one of the factors that would would incentivize that to be sprung would be avoiding relegation. Right. Yes. And, and I think that all year the, the goal has been from preseason reading your preseason coverage as well. Um, was not to be in the relegation scrap to nearly the longevity yes. or the extent that they were in 21, 22. And yet here we are, obsessively looking at them poss- possibly being in the same spot. Is there a, a change in expectation with all of this investment, with all of this you know, increased depth? I mean, we're also looking at Diego Montero, who came in um, from Servette uh, today as we're recording this. Um, again, more of a future prospect, but all the same, still more investment in both the present and the future of the roster. Um, Has the expectation changed at all? Do you view this as a, we need to feel confident that we will have Premier League standing secured by March, anything of the sort as a result?
2: Absolutely. I I mean, I was talking about this on the the podcast, the weekly podcast I do about Leeds United, about the fact that if you look at Fulham at the moment, Fulham are beyond 30 points, have a really strong start to the season. Um, If you... If you rely on the data and the metrics um, and the the sort of XG comparison, the chances are that they've got a bit of a slump around the corner just to go by the numbers. You know, they're probably outperforming um, what what they should be doing. But even if Fulham were to take, say, 10 points before the end of the season, finish on 41, 42 points, they'd be happy with the the season because they, you know, they've been, they've felt safe for so much of it. If Leeds finish the season on 41, 42 points, they'll be happy to stay up, but it will still feel like a year that's been pretty fraught. And I guess perception Mm. and perspective is is quite big in this one of the reasons why from what we are told anyway that the the transition of ownership from radrasani to 49ers enterprises hasn't happened yet is that there is still the lingering issue of relegation in the background which is to say that leads at the moment are valued at around about half a billion pounds um if they were relegated they'd be you know a, a much smaller fraction of that in the afl they just would not be worth that amount of money so naturally, 49ers enterprises have to ask themselves, do we want to buy a club that might lose X amount of value in the next six months uh, without a caveat or without some contingency clause with Radrizani or whatever else? And the answer, realistically, is no, we don't. You know, they, they want to take on a Premier League club because that's what opens the door to stadium development and European football and, you know, growth of the club's size and and financial cost and everything else. Um. So it is essential that they're not really a club leads who can yo-yo, as we call it in England, you know, bounce between the championship and the Premier League. Now that they're here and been out of this division for 16 years, they need to, to stay in it. And yeah. on top of that, they do not have a fan base that would tolerate um, yo-yoing either. You know, the fan base expect good things of them. And rightly, I think, you know, it's a, a historically big club leads um, who have, underperformed for, for a long long time prior to to getting promoted again so yes I mean it's it, they they need to move forward and Radrazzani said it himself at the start of the season there's no risk of relegation that was his comment he, he just said it was impossible um he wants to see Leeds finish 10th to 14th I think it's a reasonable ambition. Yeah, I think, I mean,
1: speaking as a Bournemouth fan here, there are certainly clubs lower <laughs> <laughs> lower on the table right now who look far less inspiring uh, at this point of the season, uh, Southampton included as well, of course. Um, Phil provided the meat and potatoes with a piece breaking down how this transfer came together, how this loan came together and all the machinations in the back rooms and in the future that could bring Weston McKenney to leads on a permanent basis. I came in with a confectionary dessert of tactical analysis, data, why he is a good fit alongside Mark Rocca and Tyler Adams in the midfield and how. he does actually help despite being one of the least influential passers of the ball in the big five leagues of Europe. Uh, Phil, thank you so much. I know it's deadline day. We've got to get you back on the clock here. Leeds never is done, this window apparently, but uh, anything else that you would like to uh, bring up on McKinney or something else that might be in the works for you?
2: No, it's they've been looking today a little bit of centre back cover. Um, they've let Diego Llorente go to Roma on loan. Um, that hadn't been announced last time I looked, but it, it will. It's very much on the cards and, and is is going. But it, it might well be that um, we have a, a fairly quiet finish after an eventful window. The hope was certainly that for all the interest from Leicester City and Jack Harrison, that Jack Harrison would stay tonight. Well, sounds like a Tuesday to me then. All right. Well, (laughs) Phil,
1: thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for listening to The Athletic Soccer Show. Keep us on your feeds. Uh, We will be back with more probably recap of both this transfer window and then looking ahead to the domestic seasons of the NWSL and Major League Soccer and all other things going on in American soccer. Uh, Please make sure that you subscribe to The Athletic if you don't and uh, have a great day.